0: Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. And while you're turning there, I just kind of want to recap where we were last week. Last week, we started in the book of Deuteronomy, and uh, we started talking about, you know, this uh, story, this uh, recounting um, that... Moses gives to this new generation about how the previous generation missed out on the promised land. You know, we recall that these spies brought back this bad report and the people heard it and they just, their hearts melted with fear. And because of that, they rebelled against God. They believed that God wasn't going to do what he promised, that God wasn't going to bring them into the promised land. Their, their enemies were numerous. They were giant. Their cities were large and were fortified, and it just didn't seem like there was any way for them to win. And all they saw were the troubles that were around them. And we talked about the fact that if we're not careful fear can begin to cripple our faith. If we allow it to, we can take fear and we can allow it to distort who God is, His character, uh, you know, the kind of person that God is. We can start to twist it and believe that God is for our harm and God doesn't really care. And uh, fear can distort who God is. And if we're not careful, fear can cause us to spiral into unbelief and uh, just a lack of faith. Really, what we need to do is we need to stop and remember that God is in control. No matter what our situations, no matter what our trials, no matter what our difficulties, God is ultimately in control. And, you know, there's always going to be trouble in our life. There's going to be things that pop up, storms that pop up in our lives. But We have to remember that no matter what, God is ultimately in control. And so now we find ourselves fast forwarding ahead to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we see Moses again talking to this new generation. And this time he's going through the commandments, these laws, these decrees. And we find ourselves this morning at the most important commandments. You see, Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, and if we ask how we are to know where our hearts are, the answer is just as simple. Everything which hinders us from loving God above all things and acts as a barrier between ourselves and our obedience to Jesus is our treasure and the place where our heart is. And this morning, we're going to look at this greatest commandment and this most important commandment to love God. And this text is filled to the brim with important things for us to think about in regards to what does it look like to love the Lord our God? What does it mean to, the, to love the Lord our God? Why is this so important for us? And so we're going to spend some time breaking down what it says in these first nine verses of chapter six. And it starts with this in verses one through three. It says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, and a land flowing with milk and honey. And so, in chapter 5, Moses is recapping the Ten Commandments, and he states here in chapter 6, why he is recapping these commandments, why he is sharing these commandments with the people. And there's different reasons for why he's sharing this. For starters, number one, he's sharing this is because they're to be obeyed. These commandments, these laws, these decrees, these are to be obeyed. And when the people would enter into the promised land, they were to live by these commandments. They were to apply them in their lives. Another reason for sharing these commandments is because this these commandments, these decrees, gave them an opportunity to express their reverence for God from one generation to the next. They would be able to look at this as a concrete way to show obedience. If we have these commandments, I can live out these things. I can live by these commandments. I can show obedience. It gave them an opportunity to live a life of obedience. We also see that by following these commandments and decrees, they would live a life that was more abundant. They would experience the fulfillment of God's promises. And he doesn't say, hey, if you follow these things, life is always going to be easy. But he said, life will go well for you. To me, it always just seems that life is so much better for us when we live in obedience to him. And today I think we need to remember these things that Moses is writing because I think we need to do the same thing. We need to go through, and we need to read the Word of God, we need to read the Scripture, but not just read the Scripture, take the Scripture, hide it in our hearts, apply it in our lives, live it out, be obedient to what God calls us to. Listen to what Jesus says in John fourteen twenty one: Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So we can go into God's word, we can take God's word, we can apply it, we can live it out, we can be obedient to what God calls us to do, what he calls us to be, how he calls us to live. But then we go into verses 4 through 5, and it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your might. And so there's, it seems like, okay, that's just a couple of small verses, but there's a lot there. This is what is known as the Shema. And the word Shema, it's a Hebrew word, and it means to hear, just as it starts out. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. To this day, Jews will repeat these words twice a day the Shema hear O israel the lord our god the lord is one love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your might and so let's go through these verses we start with this word here shema and this word doesn't just simply mean listen it carries with it an idea of paying attention to and obeying now, I remember hearing these words when I was a kid, and I know for sure I heard them from my dad uh, several times when I was growing up. I know you can hear me, but you're not listening, and you're not obeying. I heard that several times when I was growing up, and you've probably heard that when you were a kid, or you know, maybe you've heard that as a grown-up. You know, spouse tells you, hey, I... you can hear me, but are you listening? And that's what it means. It's this idea of listening and paying attention and obeying. It's not just enough to hear, but we have to actually listen, pay attention, and do what God calls us to do. And that's what they meant when they said, hear. Pay attention to, take, and obey, and apply. And then we see the next part of this. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one This simply means here that the Lord is the one and only God. There is no other God but the God of Israel. He is the God who was and is and is today. He is the great I am. This is a foundational text for pointing to a belief in monotheism, the belief in one God. The people of Israel were to give him their undivided loyalty. And this is important when you think about the fact that these people had come out of Egypt, a place with many gods, and many of their neighbors would be polytheistic or believe in many gods. And here's the thing that's very fascinating about this, that when you look at these false gods that these people worshipped, they were seldom ever in sync. They were seldom ever in sync. And so in a sense, people would be loyal to one god to avoid wrath from another god. They didn't have to have this issue as a nation that was under the one true God. They didn't have to worry about this in theory because they would be loyal to one God who dealt with the people on the basis of a righteous standard. I say in theory because we know that there would be time that false gods and false idols would be a big part of the story of the nation of Israel. I mean, you see, there is one true God, the true God, the great I am. And this is true for us today, but the thing is, we live in a culture that is so wrapped up in worshiping other things. False gods of today, false doctrines of today, false teachings of today, false everything of today, these these false idols. But scripture reminds us that there is one God Isaiah forty four six, thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. First Kings eight, sixty, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is no other. First Timothy two, five, for there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. And this is especially important to, to note and to know that there is one true God, the Lord God. When we look at what comes next, we see that we are to love him with all our heart, all our soul, all our might. So let's start here with the words, you shall love the Lord your God. You see, a lot of people today believe that love is just simply an emotion. To fill love means to feel butterflies in your stomach and to just this, this feeling of, you know, oh, I like being around that person. And we kind of view that that's all that love is, but that's not what love is. You see, love is really affection plus decision plus action. It's choosing to be in this intimate relationship with God and then living in obedience to God, listening and doing what he asks us to do, acting on that love, imitating God's love to those who are around us so it's not just a feeling of emotion it is a decision it is obedience so go back to the phrase here here pay attention to obey and think about this if if we hear the word of God and we listen to his commands, and if we do them, that shows the love we have for him. And if we truly love him, then we will want to listen and do as he commands. And so these things feed into each other. It's, or it's like a cyclical type of thing. It's, we obey because we love him. We love him, because, and we show that by how we obey. And so we are to love him, and we are to love him with all our heart, all our soul, all our might this is the idea that we are to love God with our whole person, with everything that is in us, with all of our capabilities. So let's break this down even further. Let's start with the heart. To truly understand the heart, we have to break down what the heart meant for ancient Israel. They knew, of course, that the heart was a physical organ that pumped in their chest, but it was so much more than that. You see, it's believed that ancient Israelites did not have a word for brain, and because they didn't have a word for brain, they believed that intellect came from the heart. For example, you would know with your heart. Deuteronomy 8:5, know then in your heart that, as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. You understood with your heart. Job 17:4, since you have closed their hearts to understanding, therefore you will not let them triumph. You see, wisdom rested in the heart, Proverbs 14.33, Proverbs wisdom rests in the heart of a man of understanding, but it makes itself known even in the midst of fools. You would use your heart for discernment, 1 Kings 3.9, give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? You see, if you recall, Jesus would quote the Shema in Mark twelve thirty, and he would say, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. As you can see, mind is not found in the original Old Testament quote from our text, but Jesus is adding this, Jesus adding this is appropriate for an audience influenced by a more logical Greek culture. It has a similar definition to heart, but more with a mental bent to it. So it was a place of intellect, but it was also a place of emotion. You could feel sadness in your heart. First Samuel 1.8, and Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep, and why do you not eat, and why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? In your heart you could feel distress and fear and despair. Joshua 2.11, and as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Psalm twenty-five, seventeen, the troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Ecclesiastes 2 20. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. But you see also in your heart you could feel joy. Jeremiah 15:16, Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and delight of my heart for I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. You see, the heart was where you would make choices motivated by desires and where your affections would be centered. First Kings eight seventeen. Now it was in the heart of David, my father, to build a house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. Psalms 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So really, the heart, at its core, was the, the center of all parts of human will, affection, emotion, intellect. Look at what it says in Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. But when we think about the heart being kind of at the center, the, the will being at the center, think about the words of Jeremiah Who in Jeremiah 17, 9 said, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And in Mark chapter 7, 21 through 23, it lists a whole bunch of sins that come from the heart. And so if the heart is the center and yet the heart is so sick and and filled with deceit, what, what does that do for us? This is why we need a renewed heart, a circumcised heart. Deuteronomy 36, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Psalm fifty-one, ten: create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Ezekiel thirty-six, twenty-six: and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And so to love the Lord our God with our whole heart, it means to devote to God our minds, our feelings, our affections, our desires. Jason DeRoche says it like this in his articles for Desiring God. He says, without one's will, desires, passions, affections, perceptions, and thoughts being rightly aligned, the life of love is impossible. And so we love with our whole heart and we love with our whole soul. The Hebrew word for soul is a word called Nefesh. And it carries this idea that it is the breath of life that in us, and really at its core, your soul is the whole person. But in Genesis 2, 7 it says, And the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. You see, that is what we are. We are a nefesh, a living, breathing, physical being and a soul. You don't have a soul. You are a soul. And to love the Lord with all your soul means to devote your whole existence to him, physical, spiritual existence to him. Your life belongs to him. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and is acceptable and perfect. Your whole life and existence are to bring God praise and glory and to live for him. So we love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, and then we're to love him with all of our might. The word here translated as strength, it's an interesting translation. There's a word that's seen in scripture, it's the word meod, M-E-apostrophe-O-D, meod, and This is one of the only few places in Scripture where this word meod is translated as strength. And it's an interesting word. It's a word that means very or much. And it's a word that's used to intensify other words. Examples for this, Genesis 1.31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was meod, good. It was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Genesis four five, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was Miod angry. He was very angry, and his face fell. Genesis seven, eighteen, the waters prevailed and increased Miode greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the waters. And so this word "miode" it's muchness, and so really to love God with all of our might means to love God with all of our muchness, all of our capabilities, everything that we have to love him with. And I love how Bible Project summarizes this word. They say, Loving God with all your miode means devoting every possibility, opportunity, and capacity that you have to honoring God and loving your neighbors as yourself. It is a call to love the one who made you with all the number of ways you can show to him. I also love how Bible Ref describes this word saying, The effort and passion with which we love God. Where the heart, soul, and mind direct how we feel and what we do, might is the force that determines the extent. And so are we doing that? Are we loving God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our might, with all of our muchness, with our whole person, everything that we are, every capability that we have, are we loving God? He then continues and So this greatest commandment, along with the other commandments, were to be written on the heart of the people. They were to meditate on these words. They were to reflect on these words. They were to apply these words. They were to be obedient in in doing what these words said. It was supposed to be a part of their everyday life. Everything about it was, how do I serve the Lord my God by doing all of these things? This is reminiscent of what we see in Jeremiah 31, 33. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days declares the Lord I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people see I think a big part of being obedient and showing love to God is knowing the commands and the laws that he set just as it was for them as it was set for them for us I think it's the same principle are we taking the word of God and studying the Word of God, and applying the Word of God, and living according to how God calls us to live, doing what God calls us to do? And are we doing this every day? Every chance we get to be in the Word of God, to soak up the Word of God, to study the Word of God. You know, we have opportunities here to come and join and study. Men, there's an opportunity on Monday nights to come and share in Bible study. Women are starting up a class starting this Tuesday for ladies to come and, and share and study. Wednesday nights, there's an opportunity to come and share and study. Are we taking advantage of that? In our homes, are we studying God's word and being obedient to what God calls us to? And then there's another thing that's mentioned here. Not only are they to take it and apply it in their lives, or put it in their hearts and apply it, you know, put it in your hearts and live it out. But there's something else that's mentioned here. They, they needed to do the same thing by teaching their kids to do the same thing. They needed to teach their kids these commands as well. The kids needed to know these commandments. They needed to live by these same you know, commandments, these same decrees. And this was to be done throughout the whole day you know, not just a, hey, take 30 minutes, teach them this, and then go on. No, this was a thing that was throughout the whole day, and I love what Jack Deere says about this verse. He says, the moral and biblical education of the children were accomplished best, not in formal teaching period each day, but when the parents, out of a concern for their own lives as well as their children's, made God and his word the natural topic of a conversation which might occur anywhere and any time during the day. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong for you to set aside a part of your day to talk with your kids about the Scripture, but I think what he's saying here in the text is it should be something that is natural in your home any time of the day to just talk about God, to teach about God, to together have the Word of God hidden in your heart. And I think what's important here is that we need to be teaching children the scriptures and training them up in righteousness. Proverbs 22, six: train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And you know why I think this is so important? Because your kids are paying attention. And your kids are listening. The question is, who are they listening to? Who are they learning from? And what are they learning from them? Man, there are so many voices screaming into the heads of kids today. So many voices, so many beliefs in the world today being poured out into the minds of kids. I can't imagine what it must have been like, or what it must be like to grow up in a social media age. There are so many voices. That's why we take so seriously what we do on Wednesday night here, teaching kids scripture having them memorize the word of God. and this isn't meant to be just done in church. No, this is meant to be done at home. Are you pouring into the life of your kids? Are you teaching them the word of God? Because as I said, there are people that are teaching them. There are people that they are listening to. What are they learning? And then we continue on and we see that they were to take these words and not just Apply them to themselves, and not just to teach them to the kids, but they were to bind them on their hand as a sign that they would be frontlets between their eyes, and they were to write them on the doorposts of their house and gates. And it's interesting when reading this because a lot of people don't know was this meant to be taken literally or figuratively. We know that it was taken literally when you look at, you know, the New Testament. We see this as the basis of the wearing of phylacteries. They were small containers, the leather containers that held parchment with scripture on them. We would see the religious leaders wearing these in the New Testament in Matthew 23, 5. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. It's not uncommon today to find in the home of an Orthodox Jew, to have a small box attached to the doorpost with scripture quotations in it. And again, this just carries the idea of everything in your life is to be fully pledged to His Word, to live the way He calls us to live, to follow His commands and His decrees. And so here's the question for us this morning. Are we listening to what the Word of God tells us? Are we following the commands and decrees of our Lord? Are we giving him our whole life? Are we showing love for our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength? R.A. Torrey once said it like this, if loving God with all our heart and soul and might is the greatest commandment, then it follows that not loving him that way is the greatest sin. But our answer, if we're honest, is not really. I want to love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my might. But maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking it just feels impossible. And I think in a way it's right for it to feel impossible because we know the truth about ourselves. There's this sinful nature that lives inside of us, this dual nature. We want to do good. We want to love the Lord with everything that we are. And yet we have this sinful nature in us that keeps... Seeming to overpower us. We want to do good, but we keep finding ourselves falling short. One of my favorite people in Scripture is the Apostle Paul. And I've told people this. Part of the reason I love the Apostle Paul is I just love his transparency. I love his heart and the way that he is so transparent about what God has done for him and, and why he needed God to do what he has done for him. And one of the most familiar examples of this is in Romans seven fifteen through 20, when he says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. See, we're a lot like Paul. We have this desire to do good, and yet we keep finding ourselves falling short. And Paul would tell you it was by his mercy and grace that he was able, it was by God's mercy and grace that he was able to do everything that God called him to But I think this is why it's so important that we hide the word of God in our hearts. That we take the word of God, we study the word of God, we memorize the word of God, we hide it in our hearts so that we can live by his word. That when that sinful nature is knocking at our door, if we can remember the words of Psalm 119.11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And we seek Him out and we lean on Him. We lean on the Holy Spirit, asking Him to reveal in us the areas in which we are falling short. And we can ask, what are the areas that I'm falling short and loving Him with everything that we are, with all of our muchness. But here's the good news. When we do fall short, with the sinful nature that is in us, we can look at what God has done for us. Last week, we talked about remembering that God is in control. And God provides. One of the greatest things he provided for us was a gift of reconciliation through his son, through the, his, the work of his son on the cross, the blood that was shed. Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That gift we do not deserve has been given to us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up this morning. And maybe you are here this morning and you have not been able to say that you love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your might because you have never actually given your life to him. You've never come before him and received that gift in which we do not deserve. And you can do that this morning you can give your life to him this morning. And, and Paul tells us how in Romans chapter 10, verses nine through 13, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing his riches on all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can make that decision this morning to give your life for him. You can give your life to him, and then you can love him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your might, with all of your muchness, with all of what you are or maybe you're here this morning and you've given your life to him but lately it doesn't feel like you've been giving him your everything your muchness this morning you can lay all those things at his feet and so if you're here this morning and you've never made that decision to follow him you could write it on your connect cards I'd love to pray with you maybe you just need to spend some time in prayer I'd love to pray with you about that as well but let us follow what Moses told the people here. Love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our might. Take these words of God, take his scripture, take his word, apply it to our lives, obey what they say, teach those around us, teach our kids, teach our, our coworkers, teach our friends the word of God. And let us live it out. If you have a decision to make this morning, I pray that you would do so as we stand and we sing together.